Thank you for choosing to listen to this podcast. My name is Nick Smith and I'm part of the leadership team of Champions Church Skipton. I hope and pray you will enjoy, be inspired and challenged as you hear what God has to say to you today. Father, I want to thank you for this time of this morning. I want to thank you for the amazing time of worship, the time of your presence, Father. And I pray that as we come uh, now into your word, Father, I pray your spirit will move, move through us, Father. I pray your spirit will open our hearts and minds, Father. I pray we will know you more today uh, through your word. Amen. Amen. Fantastic. So I called this Don't Forget Your Oxygen, and I did a PowerPoint. So Paul, if you want to put it on. So I'd like you to get your diaries out. It is February the 16th. 2020 and it doesn't work <laughs> there you go so it's not the first powerpoint i've ever done i did a powerpoint on the blueprints for the early church in 2015 it was about may time so this is my second ever powerpoint there you go so scaling your everest we call this one don't forget your oxygen so um, many of you know my wife, well you all know my wife pretty much, and she's, a, a, she's the mountaineer in the family. In fact, she's today on a mountain rescue training exercise. When I first met Ruth, I was not mountain ready, I was not a mountaineer, I was an office worker, very overweight. And the first weekend we spent together, we went up to North Wales for our kind of first date as it were, and she took me up a mountain called Cadda Idris, and it was definitely a kill or kind of, it was like a survive moment. It was either I would make it or not, that was it. I remember saying, it's fine, it's just a footpath, we're going to walk up Cadridris, it's not the biggest mountain in the world, we're on something called the Fox's Path. And I had a bit of a wobble at my soon-to-be, or my wife of the future at that point, because I did not get the concept of having to crawl on my hands and knees on a footpath. The Fox's Path was a very, very steep scree slope that should not have been titled footpath. A couple of years later, just before we got married, We'd actually go and do Ben Nevis, a picture of us on Ben Nevis. So there you go. I don't have a digital copy, it's pre-Facebook, but there's a picture of us on Ben Nevis. Fully kitted out, you'll see, with all the gear you'll need uh, on a mountain top. This is the tallest mountain I have ever walked up. When we left, in fairness, when we left, it was very, very warm at the bottom. Ben Nevis is a tall mountain. Uh, yeah. Funny enough, when uh, Ruth showed her gran uh, this picture, she said it looks like it needs to walk up a few more mountains, to be honest, <laughs> which I thought was charming. Ben Nevis is the tallest mountain I've ever walked up uh, all the way. I've actually been higher uh, in Madeira on a mountain, but we drove nearly all the way to the top and walked the last 100 metres. Um, ben Nevis stands at 1,342 metres, 4,411 feet. Um, it is 25,000 feet shorter than Mount Everest. Um, clearly, I may not have survived quite so well with my shorts and lightweight jumper. Uh, actually, after this picture's taken, we're all scrambling for waterproofs and uh, leggings, all kinds of stuff, because it was freezing at the top of that mountain. I've really enjoyed this series. Uh, it's, I think it's been really, really interesting, and I think, thank goodness, uh, thank God, for giving Michael this kind of inspiration for this series. Um, I, I, and obviously, for me, I like climbing and I love walking up the old mountain as well. Do you know, just out of interest, the criteria for a hill being a mountain? Does anyone know how tall a hill has to be to become a mountain? Six hundred meters. I don't know what it is by feet. But it's 600 meters. No, 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 no,
No, it's 1,080 metres. No, uh, in fact, connecting Snowlia is 680 metres. That's one of the smallest ones I've been up. But 600 metres, at that point, it becomes a mountain. But actually, for me and you, with a bit of motivation and probably some fair weather, we can all walk up a 600 metre mountain. I'm going to challenge you. You can all do that. But Everest is a bit different. And I know we've looked at Everest lots, but it's a bit different. You can't just turn up and do it on your own steam. I'm going to show you a picture of the top of Everest. It looks very similar to what I'm wearing. Yep, there you go. Uh, that is a lady called Shana Burke in 2005 on the summit of Mount Everest. And you, we've talked about this, but I'm going to talk about it again. I'm going to talk about the conditions on Mount Everest to start with. Everest is an extremely inhospitable place. Temperatures at the top are typically around 36 degrees below centigrade below zero in the winter and can drop as low as 60 degrees C below. Temperatures only rise to an average of 18 below during the warmest part of the summer and monsoon storms make Everest insurmountable during this period. The jet stream buffets the top of Everest with hurricane force winds for much of the year. During April and May, the jet stream shifts somewhat, offering relatively calm weather, and this is where most climbs occur. There's a short window of opportunity. Avalanches are a constant threat and they have claimed many lives. Fierce storms may blow up unexpectedly, trapping or blinding climbers. Shifting glaciers can open suddenly, creating deep crevices, crevasses even, often obscured by snow. Lack of oxygen is one of the major challenges posed by Everest. The oxygen levels at the top are only a third of what they are at sea level. Humans cannot survive any length of time at elevation above 26,000 feet, 8,000 meters which is on Everest is known as the death zone. Catchy title. At this altitude, the human body is unable to acclimate to the low oxygen and begins to deteriorate. Most climbers must use oxygen and will have difficulty sleeping. I read an article that says every third breath you would wake gasping for air when you're at the higher levels of the mountain. Even at moderate elevations, many people experience headaches, shortness of breath. However, if they stay at that elevation, the body will compensate by producing more red blood cells and all functions will return to normal. But that creates other problems. At higher elevations, these symptoms are extreme. It may also include loss of appetite, nausea, vomiting, dizziness, irritability and insomnia. Oxygen. Oxygen is what we need. One of the biggest problems on Everest, one of the main reasons people do not succeed or even die, is lack of oxygen, especially at the higher levels above 26,000 feet. As it said in the article, the body literally deteriorates and it's a race against time. For the climbers to be successful, they need to take additional oxygen in order to make this achievement even possible. They have to rely on supplementing the oxygen they breathe to have what they need in their body to carry on and function as it is intended on this climb. Articles talk of climbers' judgment being impaired, hallucinating, talking to people who are not there, just taking their clothes off or simply sitting down and never getting up again. Wow, it's a little bleak start to a message this morning. But Everest is a serious mountain. I want to put it to you today that the oxygen those climbers need to achieve the seemingly impossible is what God has done for us in giving us his spirit as we live our daily lives as his children in this world. And I'm going to start by reading from Acts 1, 1 to 11. So if you want to open your Bible to Acts... Okay. 
In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, after his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know times or dates the father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. As he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid them from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going. When suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside the men of Galilee, they said, Why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Amen. Amen. This was the last thing Jesus said to them, his disciples, before he was taken up to heaven. This was an important message for his disciples and all those that were to follow. Verse 4, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So for those climbers that make it to the top, they need extra help. Not just in those around them, but in taking on vital oxygen to be able to function as they need to in the most difficult conditions. When Jesus spent those last days with the disciples, he said, do not go anywhere until you've received the Holy Spirit. He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Jesus knew the disciples would need extra to carry on the most important mission. He told them to wait. But I'm going to go back to, my, to Everest and my first point. So this is a picture. Go back a little bit, Paul, to the picture of those. So this is Everest Base Camp. You might have heard about Base Camp in this message. Just getting to Base Camp is hard work. It's the bit you hear about when people talk about going up Everest. It's the push from base camp to the top. But the journey to base camp is not easy. Firstly, I'm going to tell you a bit of a story. I've enjoyed reading about Everest, I must admit. Firstly, climbers arrive in Kathmandu and stock up on supplies. They then take a 25-minute light aircraft they call puddle jumpers, possibly with no more than 16 people, and it talks about them being a small metal tube with people crammed in with their knees up against their chest with their packs in front of them. They take a puddle jumper, 25 minutes to an airport called Lukla, which is commonly known as the most scary airport in the world. And if you don't believe me, watch some YouTube videos of planes coming into Lukla because they cannot see the runway as they approach it because they are below it. They have to suddenly come over the top. Lots of stories about planes catching fire, bursting into flames, but we'll go on from there. From that airport, climbers trek 40 miles on foot to the base of the mountain, to base camp. It often takes them two weeks, 
Not because of that's how long it takes, but they have to acclimatise to the oxygen levels their body will need at that altitude. Base camp is just the starting point for the push up Everest, but at 17,600 feet, it's already high enough to cause health problems. And I read an article, you've got that before you get to base camp, you've got to have gone on a project to prepare for Everest. People would suggest that if you want to climb Everest, you need to put aside five to 10 years to prepare. This is not a quick trip up a local mountain. I promise that today is not a lecture about Everest, though I have enjoyed reading those articles. The disciples had walked closer to Jesus than anyone else ever physically will. Now, I'm not going to get into a theological discussion about our own walk with Jesus, but these guys actually walked beside him. They sat at his feet. They learned from him. They watched him perform great miracles and saw the example he set from there for them firsthand. The disciples had the most intense training from Jesus, more than anyone else. And you would have thought that they would have been ready for the job at hand. These guys had prepared for their mountain with their master. Finally, they get to Jerusalem and Jesus commands... Do not leave Jerusalem, wait. Jesus knows what is before them. He knows that they need more. For them to carry on the task set before them, they would need the Holy Spirit. Jesus, sorry, Jerusalem was their base camp, their launching site. When climbers reach base camp, they will spend a couple of months preparing to reach the summit. At least six weeks, it suggests. They will spend acclimatizing uh, to the altitude and the oxygen levels at that height. They will perform a couple of climbs from base camp. They'll forage out a little bit and they'll come back. They'll go a bit further each time, but they will always return to base camp. They'll wait till they are ready because the alternative is not great. The disciples were in danger of leaving Jerusalem before they were ready. And Jesus knew it. They were in danger of leaving before they were ready. So he said, wait. This is a message to me and this is a message to all of us. As we walk our journeys as Christians, as we grow and develop, as we train on our mission to become more like him, we are commanded to wait at base camp. Now, I'm going to go a bit off topic. Thanks, Paul. That's the right one. I'm going to go a bit off topic here, or not really, but I'm going to say what about waiting for God. It's a theme that I keep hearing at the moment. I think God is really talking to me, and I don't know whether he's talking to you as well. Wait on him, rest in him, spend time with God. Anyone else hearing that right now? Jesus commanded his disciples to wait. They wanted to go, and he said, do not leave. Do not go on with your life. Do not move before you're ready. Jesus said, I know what is best for you. Wait, wait, wait. I love the next bit though. Even after hearing that message from Jesus, their response was to say, Lord, are you going to at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Jesus just told them to wait and they jumped to the fulfillment of God's master plan. Doesn't that sound familiar to a lot of us? We're told to wait, but we want to know the answer to the end result. We want to see the end. 
straight away. We're activators. Are we comfortable waiting for him? Are we comfortable waiting in him? Isaiah 40, 31. There's some PowerPoints here, Paul. Isaiah 40, 31. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Psalm 27, 14. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Amen. Psalm 46, 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Jesus told his disciples, who had all the training to wait on him, receive the Holy Spirit. So I'm just going to ask you the question, what does waiting look like for you? Is it spending time in prayer? Is it spending time with other Christians? Is it giving space to God, simply space, resting, asking God to speak? Is it spending time in his word? What does waiting look like for you? Okay, my next point. Are you ready to leave base camp? For climbers who get to base camp, it's vital that they wait till they are ready before making the move to camp one. There's three places you sleep on Everest and base camp's the first place. But camp one is 2,000 feet higher at 19,000 feet. And it's that point where they don't actually really sleep because they can't breathe more than three times of that additional oxygen. At base camp, they are looking for signs of altitude sickness. They're looking for signs that they are ready. We talked about earlier, and we talked about earlier in this series. Headaches, nausea, vomiting, dizziness, tiredness, loss of appetite, shortness of breath. They are the signs of someone who is not ready. They can use instruments to check the oxygen levels in their blood. They can check their O2 levels. We are called as Christians to wait for the gift God has promised us, the Holy Spirit, before we leave our base camp. We are told that the Spirit will give us power when it comes on us and we will be his witnesses to the ends of the earth. If you're wondering what that end goal of the summer is, you can start there. We are called to be witnesses to the ends of the earth. That's our Everest. That's quite a mountain in itself. But what are we looking for? For climbers, they're looking for an absence of symptoms. For followers of Jesus, we are looking for fruit of his spirit. I'm going to read Galatians 5, verse 13. For you, brothers, 13 to the end here. For you, my brothers, we're called to be free. I think it'll be on the screen as well, Paul. Well done. We're called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the sinful nature or obvious, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who, are, who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. 
Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Next slide. For the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. This is the journey we are on as followers of Jesus to get to base camp. That in itself is an achievement. It's a product of years of training and development. We've looked how we get there through this series. We looked at overcoming attitude sickness at the start. We looked at seeing the summit, having 2020 vision, a purpose and a plan. We looked at resilience you need. Last week, we looked at the equipment Our time with God, putting on the armour, making sure someone is holding our rope. You will remember the amazing visual of me dressed up in climbing gear. And it's it's in the fruit from Galatians 5 that we can see the Spirit working in us. We can see the outworking of the Spirit in our day-to-day life. We can see someone who is mountain ready. When you read articles about base camp, they're looking for those symptoms of sickness in each other. They are testing their levels. They're making sure they're all right. And the, name, the same needs to be said for us as Christians. We're on the same mission for God. We need to be looking out for each other. If someone starts to show signs of altitude sickness at base camp, the best thing they can do is get down safely, seek medical help and quickly recover. Sometimes that means taking a hard decision to step back on years of training. And the same needs to be said for us as Christians. We're on the same mission for God. To push on regardless from base camp, regardless of the symptoms you're suffering, could quite easily result in death. And we could write a whole message on this point. Galatians 5 shows us the fruit of the Spirit working in our life, but it also shows us the signs of altitude sickness we can suffer. The acts of flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness and orgies and the like. I warn you as did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. If we are experiencing these symptoms, the best thing we can do is move down from base camp to seek help, to pray and find healing. The hard thing is we need to be looking out for these symptoms in each other, to look after each other on the mountain. As a family, a team on this mountain together, maybe we're Sherpas for each other, I don't know. We need to be supporting each other. If we see the fruit in each other, let's call it out. Let's call out the Christians who are mountain ready. Let's say I recognise the fruit of the Spirit in you. You're ready to go. Let's recognise what the Spirit is doing in each other. Recognise mountain-ready Christians. But if we see signs of sickness, the best thing we can do for a brother or sister is help them down safely. Help them seek God. Pray with them. So let's talk about going beyond base camp. Reaching your summit. It's actually, uh, I can't remember her name. It's a Sherpa, the, the woman that holds the record for attempts on Everest. She'd been to the summit nine times. There you go. Can't remember her name, which is a shame, really, because she deserves credit. If you want to climb Everest, getting to base camp is not enough. You've done well, but you've not reached the summit. The place at the top. Does anyone know how many people 
uh, walk to base camp every year. Does anyone know how to hazard a guess? How many people walk to base camp? More than that? Exactly that. 30,000 people walk to base camp every year. Does anyone hazard a guess on how many people have ever reached the summit? Ever. Well, those recorded. More than that. 5,000 people. Now, they don't know exactly. There might be some Sherpas that skip up and down for fun. But 5,000 people have ever stepped foot on the summit of Everest and achieved that incredible achievement. 5,000 people have been recorded in the book, have been pictured on the summit like our friend up here, have been a witness to others of their achievement. We are called as Christians to go beyond the base camp, to be a witness of Jesus Christ and his gospel to the ends of the earth. We've been through our training. We've followed in God's footsteps and Jesus' footsteps. We've been a disciple, a follower. We've got mountain ready. We've seen the Spirit working in us, but we are called to go beyond base camp, to stand on top of the mountain so that others might see Jesus. To know the truth of Matthew 19, 26, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. A climber cannot get to the top without help. That might be the team around him, but in reality, a climber cannot get to the top without taking on board oxygen. Oxygen that gives them life in the most difficult of conditions that empower their body to keep going. As Christians, we are taught to wait, to wait for the gift God has promised. The Holy Spirit that gives us power to be his witnesses across the world. We cannot get to the top under our own steam. We need God in our life to empower us to reach the summit. And he has promised us his spirit to equip us with everything we need. God gives us the oxygen we need to get to the top. We need to look at it through that lens. With God, with the Holy Spirit, I can reach the summit God has set before me to be a witness of Jesus Christ to the ends of the world. Although we could start with Skipton. I think it's really worth, to, when, before I wrap it up, to look at what happens in Acts 2. Because Acts 2 is a phenomenal passage. And I'd love to read you the whole of Acts 2. But I can't because of time. But for the disciples in Acts 2, the Holy Spirit comes upon them powerfully in that upper room. And the incredible scenes that followed... As they left, praising God, speaking in other languages, speaking in tongues, they drew quite a crowd of witnesses. It says it goes on, if you skip a few bits, Peter does a fantastic speech now, empowered by the Holy Spirit. It says that following that, 3,000 people gave their lives to the Lord. They were obedient to God's call to wait, to not rely on the training they had received through three years of following Jesus, but to wait for the Holy Spirit. And in being obedient, in waiting, the next step immediately after that was 3,000 people were led to the Lord. Wouldn't it be amazing if we saw that in Skipton? If we waited on the Spirit, if we wait on the Spirit and people saw us as witnesses of Jesus Christ, how many people could come to the Lord here? 
We are called to be witnesses to the ends of the world of that incredible good news of Jesus Christ. Stated in John 3.16, I always love to get that into a preach. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Amen? Amen. And we are told to achieve that. We have the Holy Spirit as our guide to empower us on that mountain. So to summarise... Got some points on the screen. We can reach the unremarkable mountaintops. Believe me, I thought Ben Nevis was pretty good. But we can reach them under our own steam. But to reach the summit God has intended for us, we need him and we need his gift in the Holy Spirit. Of all the dangers that climbers face on Everest, it's the lack of oxygen that is the most dangerous. The disciples spent three years walking with Jesus, but they were told to wait at base camp for the Holy Spirit. What is God saying to you about waiting, stopping and resting in him? Are you ready to leave base camp? Are we seeing you ready, showing fruit of the spirit? Or are we seeing signs of sickness? Are you mountain ready? We are not called simply to base camp we are called to the summit we are called to be witness of jesus christ to the ends of the world god has supplied the oxygen you need he has given us the gift of the holy spirit to give us the power we need to reach the summit make sure you pack your oxygen tanks father we thank you for your word we thank you for the truth for the mission you've set before us. Father, we thank you for your spirit you've given us freely so that we may achieve what is impossible for man, but possible, completely possible in God. Father, I pray that we learn how we are to wait for you. I pray we put time aside in our lives to wait on you, to rest in you, to listen to your voice, to spend time in your word. Father, I pray for your spirit to empower us to reach the summit you have set before us. Father, I pray that we see many lives impacted in Skipton, in the, in the surrounding countryside, and in the villages, the towns, the communities we interact with because of a group of Christians who are mountain ready. Witnesses to you in this community. Amen. Amen. Well, there you go. Thank you for taking the time to listen. I hope you've been moved by what you've heard today. We would love to hear from you at Champions Church. Please look us up on Facebook at Champions Church Skipton and drop us a message. I'll speak to you again soon.